1: This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Alex me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Uh, I'm sort of joking, but I'm sort of not joking because now we don't have the extra League Cup fixtures next year because Arsenal lost to Brighton 3-1 at the Emirates in the League Cup. To be fair, I only know that because Tim told me it happened because I couldn't watch it, but that's okay. And judging by Mikel Arteta's uh, look on his face in his post-match interview, I think he sort of shared my sentiment about the importance of losing this match. And we'll get into that. We will get Tim's thoughts on who played well, who played poorly, if there's anything to take away from this game, because we actually have someone on this podcast who saw the game, which I feel like is a helpful component, a helpful aspect of being able to analyze a game of football. So I I think that is going to serve us well. I do want to give you a programming note. Coming up during the World Cup, we will have daily episodes. World Cup daily is coming. You're going to like the theme music. If you like the Euro daily that we did, we're bringing that theme music back. It's it's real good. Um, But the exciting thing about this is that we have Phil Costa and Louis Ambrose guiding you through the World Cup. Now, Paul and Tim and Clive and I will certainly make appearances on those shows. Obviously, we have to for the England-USA discussion because both of those teams in amazing form lately and going to play an entertaining... No, it's going to be like eye-bleedingly terrible probably, but we'll still talk about it. So I think you're really going to enjoy that. Those guys are brilliant. They know what they're talking about, and it'll keep us all engaged in a World Cup that I think most of us are feeling a little lukewarm about. But if you're not, good for you. Um, we will still have Arsenal Vision podcast to the extent that there's stuff to discuss. And over on Patreon, we'll be doing scouting videos. So things like Danilo and Ficundo Torres and uh, Fuller and Balogun, Charlie Patino, Austin Trusty will do all of that. We'll also hit the rumor roundups like we do there. So there'll still be a lot of, of good stuff happening. And certainly the World Cup Daily will be part of that. And I am looking forward to it. What I'm not looking forward to, trying to navigate the transfer rumors on Twitter, in an era of 10,000 David Ornsteins who all have blue check marks next to their name. So good luck and stay safe out there in January. All right. Let's get into the conversation and here to have one with me, aforementioned Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Stillmanator. Hello, Tim. Hello there. This is our third time trying to record the show, and that is the <laughs> first time I've gotten your Twitter handle <laughs> correct. So hooray me. You're doing great, sweetie. Um, yeah, you, you can confirm the game happened.
2: Um, unless it, unless it was some kind of fever dream, um, I, on my part, it did happen to the benefit of absolutely nobody.
1: Sounds about right. Well, we're going to have a chat about that, but we'll also talk about world cup squads, um, the wolves game and, you know, the implication of the world cup squads and how we look in terms of balance for coming back after the world cup. We're going to do basically the Patreon instant reaction today in compressed format headlines stock rising and stock falling it's a structure that i find lets us encapsulate the game pretty easily and for people that aren't sure what went on i think it'll it'll give you a good framework um so why don't we kick it off with your headlines i will contribute but only to the extent that i have anything uh relevant to say which will be a departure from the usual podcast that we do so yeah fire away (laughs) with a headline from arsenal one brighton three
2: yeah, sure. So I'll do a different headline from the actual instant reaction because um, that, that one was a little bit more tactical and we'll kind of get into that anyway. But mm-hmm. my my overall headline is I don't know who the League Cup's for anymore. Um, I don't know what it's for or who it's for. Um, you know, it's it's always been the kind of poor relation competition and obviously that's changed over the years and obviously other things have become more prominent but I think and and I don't think this is it is quite Arsenal centric but I don't think it's just Arsenal centric I did think that maybe a decade 15 years ago it had fallen into this kind of oh teams play their young players and that's a nice bridge between like under 23 football and the Premier League and it's a good way of getting them through and it's like cheap tickets and people get to come to the stadium and things mm-hmm. like that but I, I don't think it certainly it hasn't served that purpose for Arsenal for quite a long time I don't think I don't really think it does across the Premier League either I look at um, you know the young players in our team has, has Bukayo Saka even played in the League Cup I couldn't tell you can't think Smith of Rowe don't really know I, I mean I see well yeah he scored against MK Dons last year didn't he but like mm. he was already in the team um, when he did that and so you know, like uh, for us, probably the Europa League group stage supplanted that a little bit. But to be honest, certainly at the bigger clubs, I think those young players come through anyway. Like Phil Foden didn't come through because of the Carabao Cup, and neither did Mason Mount at Chelsea. Yeah. Like those guys, they either went on loan, not in Phil Foden's case, and, and built kind of game time and careers there, uh, careers up there a little bit. Uh, Rhys James, he did the same. He went on loan out, out to Wigan a really good season there so i I don't think the league cup even has that kind of come and see the stars of the future and like i i kind of tested this with myself when i looked at the liverpool lineup against derby last night they reverted back to what klopp usually does which is you know i think one of their forwards was wearing number 94 (laughs) um and that was probably like 10 years before he was born um so so
1: thanks for bringing it up
2: (laughs) uh, yeah well yeah for me too but like but what happened was basically those kids played 60 minutes and when it was still nil nil they all got taken off for Firmino and Nunez and all of that and basically even for the young players they're shit minutes I think I think they're just they're crap minutes they're crap games the squad players i'm not sure how much they get out of it really because they're playing with other squad players so it's very difficult to judge them they're playing in a very like different system with with a different level of player and yeah i i just don't know who this competition is for anymore it certainly shouldn't be happening this year i maybe i'm being ignorant about the commercial properties of it and the tv deals um given that there's only like one game on each night i don't imagine the tv deal is really lining anyone's pockets mm. I don't imagine the sponsorship is and I don't like to me the lower league and the championship and the lower Premier League teams just look like they want to get out of it as quickly as possible and when you look at the winners over the last 15 years like Swansea is the only one that jumps out as ah they must have really enjoyed that like yeah. the last five winners have been Man City times four and Liverpool times one I mean what what is anyone getting from that least of all Man City and Liverpool
1: yeah, and I get that there's big club-centric view of all this, but at the end of the day, it is the big clubs winning it again. Man City has two full squads, so they can go full bore with a second squad that's going to batter everybody else all the way to winning this thing. And ultimately, yes, cheaper tickets and extra games for young people to go see. That's wonderful. But what are you, you going to play five games a week to do that? Like, at some point, there's just diminishing returns. And it was one thing when it was the Arsene Wenger era and you were literally seeing the Academy kids get a debut and... Carlos Vela was chipping goalkeepers in this thing, and we were playing six, five, seven, five games with Reading. But this sort of second squad that isn't quite good enough to play in the first team, trotting out and sort of limply going, I don't know. I don't know who that serves. So it is what it is. I I will say this. My headline would be, I think we're seeing Mikel mature as a manager before our eyes. We already know tactically he's a genius. We're already starting to see that a lot of his culture emphasis that I was skeptical of has paid off in a lot of ways. But I think the last sort of question was, is he too dogmatic? Is he dogmatic in his application of his rules and his principles? And I think we're seeing that being updated. If it ever was the case, it doesn't appear the case. I think he got a lot of the rotation pretty right during the Europa League group stage. And in this game, I think he got it spot on, essentially. You know, only Saliba mm-hmm. goes out there, and Saliba, I think, has been more rotated than most in the Europa League games. So, you know, he, he also shared this game. And ultimately... You have to be able to compromise some of your principles, things like we win every competition, we play to win every game in service of larger principles. If your philosophy doesn't map to success, then it's not a good philosophy. And you can say, well, Pep never you know squanders any chance. He has two squads. Klopp did. Klopp sacrificed tournaments to go win leagues and champions leagues. And I think we would gladly take that trade-off. And I think Mikel has made that trade-off. And now you look at a January where City go to Chelsea, go to United, and then at the very end, the beginning of February, go to Spurs, and somewhere in there, they're going to have a midweek game in the League Cup, maybe two,
2: three, maybe There's, three. If, it's if, if yeah. I looked at, two legs. Yeah, I because I looked at the dates this morning. I, I said on the instant reaction, maybe the next round wouldn't have been a terrible game for Arsenal to have. Mm-hmm. Although I revised that because West Ham have gone out, mm-hmm. um, and it would have just meant we had a game before West Ham, and they didn't. But I was kind of looking at it and thinking we're actually going to play a friendly. I think mm-hmm. at the Emirates during that week anyway. And I was thinking, well, it could just take the place for the friendly, League, quite frankly. But yeah, it's like January 11th is the quarterfinal, and it's like the 25th is the first leg of the semi, and the first is the set. Like, I mean, so so so. Wait, you want to read those dates off again? Do you know what yeah, they are? 11th of January for the quarterfinal uh, between the FA Cup third round and I believe the North London Derby for us.
1: So um, I mean, if the, if that's the case, that means that City are likely going to have games. Between their trips to Chelsea and United, and before their trip to Spurs,
2: yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, so and,
1: and look, it could mean nothing. They could win those games easily using second team players, and it might have. Or Erling Haaland tweaks his hamstring in the last ten minutes of one of these things that he's been thrown onto, and he misses a couple of these games, and they drop some points. So the, you know, look to win a title against Man City, you need a little luck, and they need a little bad luck because yeah. that is the distance in their in their resources and their squad but this is the way that happens and so yep. i you know i think i i don't like seeing arsenal lose and to be fair maybe some of the reason i don't have the anger is i didn't see arsenal lose right i didn't physically see it and so i can intellectualize the result without having to have watched how it came to pass but i do think that my headline essentially is it's nice to see the dogma being applied in service of something which is winning And now Arsenal don't have midweek ties uh, in January. City do. Maybe, just maybe, that little incremental difference delivers a benefit.
2: We'll we'll have to see. And Chelsea and Tottenham went out last night. And, you know, they're teams we've still got to keep an eye on. Um, Liverpool went through. Um, I don't think they wanted to. They were taken to penalties by Derby. I think they tried to lose. (laughs) I'll say say this.
1: (laughs) I would keep the League Cup if it means I can keep watching a reasonably full-strength Spurs side <laughs> lose to ten-man Forest in the way that they did. That was fun. Um, yes. So yeah. you know, it, and that was on TV here. So instead of watching Arsenal trudge around to get knocked out of a competition we don't care about, I was able to watch Spurs get embarrassed. So did Fair enjoy enough. that. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's get your stock risings and stock falling. So let's start with this. Give me two players whose st- and, and if you're like, what is stock rising, stock falling? If you don't listen to our instant reaction, it's not. Who played good, who played bad? Who good player, who bad player? That's not really the idea. It's more to be something about the performance that leads their stock to rise within the club or in your estimation or from the baseline where you started. And stock falling isn't who bad player. It's more um, who, as a result of their performance, you know maybe dips in terms of where they sit right now in your current thoughts. So let's start with a couple of stock risings from you.
2: Yeah, that's really difficult. Actually, <laughs> essentially, I, I don't think many stocks rose or fall in this game. The the way I kind of um, I approached this in the instant reaction was that some like like no one played well the whole way through this game. Um, there were some players like so at half time Reese Nelson definitely a stock rising he started on the left he was coming off that left flank a lot because this is the thing right that that made this game difficult for Arsenal is that they couldn't quite have that same 5-5 structure Mm -hmm. because Cedric can't invert into midfield yeah Tierney does not as well as, as some other players but he does Cedric just can't do that Sambi Lokonga in the first half Wasn't really doing the Xhaka thing So what was happening was Nelson was coming off the left hand side And if you've seen the goal That's a good indication of Kind of what Reese Nelson was doing He was coming off the, the left He was turning and he was dribbling At the Brighton players And then you know He had Nketiah run outside him Where you might usually see Xhaka Actually mm-hmm. in, in the proper team Um, And so, like, Reese Nelson had a really strong first half because he was moving into those central areas. I think the other thing is, in League Cup games, what quite often happens is because you haven't got the automatisms and the chemistry, having, like, a virtuoso performer really works sometimes. That's that's why someone like Carlos Vela looks pretty good in the League Cup because someone who takes people on and tries things like really flow like when your team isn't flowing that that looks a lot better but then when you ask them to sit back into the structure they don't look as good and so what happened to Reese Nelson in the second half was that Mm -hmm. he stayed much more on the flank and actually Sambi was pushing on and doing the Xhaka stuff so Sambi looked lost in the first half but in the second half he looked quite good albeit he should have scored at 1-1. He had a big, big chance just before Brighton went 2-1 up um, to score at 1-1. So, like, Sambi would have been a stock falling for the first half, but maybe a stock rising for the second half. But really, the stock rising, and this is quite a boring answer, is is like the big boys. The mm. Gabriel Jesus, Granite Xhaka, those guys. Those guys are the stock rising because... When Jesus, like I thought Nketiah in the first half was was good, was really good, scored a lovely goal. The, the
1: finish is great. Yeah. 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 The goal in and, general is pretty, yeah.
2: Yeah, and he had a nice intensity to him. But then when like Gabriel Jesus came on, with and unfortunately he was ready to come on at 2-1, but Brighton scored the third. And at that point I was thinking, oh, I wish we could take the substitution back and not yeah, bother him. Yeah,
1: I'm sure, I'm sure Arteta felt that way too.
2: But you could see, like, Martinelli came on first, then Gabriel Jesus came on, and you could just see the intensity was different with those players. Now, don't get me wrong, they didn't drag us back into the game. They didn't have, like, a fantastic overall uh, contribution. Arsenal didn't really look like scoring once Brighton took the lead, to be honest. But just, like, the speed with which they do things, and I kind of saw Reese Nelson and Eddie fade, In that light, I haven't worked out whether that's like just a comparative thing, Um, you know, and that they were doing the same things, but all of a sudden a couple of better players came on and and it just looks different or whether they kind of went into a shell a bit. Maybe they were tired, to be honest, like neither of them has been playing 90 minutes a lot this season. And then, like, Gabriel Jesus, you know, I left when the full-time whistle went and Gabriel Jesus is sprinting over to the referee to have a go at him because he didn't book a Brighton player for kicking the ball out of play. (laughs) I love it. And, like, Gabriel Jesus is going to the World Cup in 10 days. Like, this is not a game he should give a shit about, but he does. And that's not the same as saying that the other guys don't. It's just that he brings that kind of, this is a football game. And if I'm playing it in my back garden, I'm... You know, I'm gonna die to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think yeah. that that's the stock rising really.
1: Yeah. So the the one thing I'll say, and again, I'm just reading accounts of it on Twitter or in Discord or whatever the case may be from people who are at the ground. It sounds like we played a decent first half. We get the lead. We had some chances, Tim, and unfortunately our young goalkeeper made a pretty bad mistake. I guess he he slips over yeah. um for their goal and then and then takes well back down for a penalty.
2: Yeah, I see. Like I I haven't seen this back yet, but I had a good view of it in the stadium. Like I'm not even sure it's fair to call it a mistake. I I don't know. Maybe there's some reason that players shouldn't slip over, Mm. Um, but he does just slip. Like.
1: Yeah, I don't mean mistake like he did something wrong. I mean, it's a mistake, you're right. It's a wrong word, unlucky. Like he he loses.
2: Yeah, but it has been talked about very widely as a mistake and it was put Mm. to Arteta and Arteta did say, like in in a supportive way, he said, look, yeah, he made a mistake, but it's fine kind of thing. And he said, if I have to play him tomorrow, I'll play him tomorrow. It's not a problem. Mm. But I don't even think it's fair to frame it as a mistake. It's more of a mishap. Like he's fine, like his positioning's fine. The ball comes over the top, he is perfectly in a position to deal with it. And he just slips. Like I don't yeah. I, I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't really understand what he's supposed to do about that.
1: Not slip. <laughs> yeah. I guess is 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 what you're not supposed to do, is not, not yeah. slip. Yeah. Um, but then so I guess, and again, just reading between the lines, it sounds like that obviously pegs us back. We still had some chances. Once they got the goal that gave them the lead, it sounds like that knocked the stuffing out of us and we kind of gave up the ghost. Is that roughly a reflection of how it went?
2: Yeah, yeah. And and I think at that stage, again, in League Cup games, once we went 1-0 up, because again, the way these games often go is the first goal wins mm-hmm. because the other team just kind of goes, we're not going to kill ourselves trying to get this back, particularly when they're away from home. So when we went a goal up, I thought, okay, that's going to be us. We're going to win this. But because we didn't hold the lead for long enough, it, it didn't quite happen. But yeah, once Brighton got the second, I mean, their defensive structure was good, et cetera, et cetera. It gave them a little bit of confidence. I think you could kind of see, certainly for their fans, this meant a hell of a lot. Um, I was actually a little bit, I I don't want to be celebration police, but I was actually a little bit taken aside when I was walking back to the tube station. Like the Brighton fans were like ecstatic. They were like hugging Mm. each other, punching the air (laughs) and all of that. And like, um, you know, (laughs) taking the piss out of Arsenal fans and we're all kind of standing there going we don't What's care. All this? It's fine.
1: <laughs> What's all this about? But like yeah. there
2: were, when they scored the second goal, it was like proper limbs. Um, mm. And I think you could see that maybe this just meant a bit more to Brighton than Arsenal. I, I, I really don't Fair mean enough. that. Fair yeah, enough. yeah. I, I, I mean, really you know. don't mean that as like, quote unquote, a shot. Um, I, I will
1: say this. I mean, and again, I, I'm reaching for things to care about here because I've already expressed how I feel about the competition generally. But... If you're Samby Lakanga, if you're Eddie Nketiah, if you're Reese Nelson, if you're, um, you know, t- I guess tyranny to some extent, maybe not a huge extent, holding like there are players out there that started this game that could really do with impressing Mikel and getting themselves right back there, banging on the door. I mean, I think we know Samby's situation could use a, a bit of shine on it, and so mm. the fact that they weren't really able to muster the fight to to stay in this one throughout. I think if Mikel looks at this performance and looks at some of the recent games and maybe some of the Europa League games, like against Zurich and at PSV, if it has any impact, the only impact would be if he was like, we could use reinforcements in January, I think it might tip him over to the, I'm short of that extra yeah. guy or two that really can make this a special season. So I I would say, Tim, that if if we wanted to stretch for any takeaways, and I'm not even sure there are, but if we wanted to, this game... When tied into the Zurich game and the PSV games, might just strengthen the conviction that January is a time we have to we have to be aggressive.
2: Definitely, and I th- I think you saw that in Arteta's like post match comments. He was asked about the squad, and it was very you know the squad is the squad and like he said like we know we're short and we know that one or two injuries does us kind of thing I definitely think he's going to be using these games to make that point and I think he's already doing that um quite frankly and I I've always been convinced we'll see um we'll see something in January and I'm I'm sure he's you know he look he's going to be asked to make that case during the World Cup break so at some point next week he's probably going to fly to LA or something like that and and speak to the Cronkies, and and I'm pretty sure that this is <laughs> this is going right in this portfolio. I I think um I think my my overall like um my kind of pithy assessment on the instant reaction was we didn't win the game because of the attack, but we lost it because of the defence. And I don't necessarily mean the back four. I mean when you look at that front five, back five thing that Arsenal mm-hmm. do, yep. five in front, five behind. We just some of those players don't have the profile, and that was the thing I was thinking during the first half with Sambi Lokonga. I was thinking, is his Arsenal goose cooked because he's neither one or the other, because he doesn't really do the, you know, I'm one of the five attacking lanes, the Xhaka thing, but at the same time, like like El happy as Larry in the five in the block mm-hmm. of five behind the ball, absolutely satisfied there. Whereas Sambi, kind of get the impression not sure he likes either of those roles I think he just likes kind of being a midfielder and kind of you know um, yeah. drifting about a little bit um, but yeah we didn't we didn't have that like solidity and when when you look at the goals you can see what happens like the first one Holding gets done um, trying to come out and do Gabriel things and he can't do Gabriel things and he can't yeah. get back and you know the long ball over the top. To be fair, like I said, for the equalizer, I do think the goalkeeper probably gets that nine times out of ten if he doesn't slip over. And then the third goal, like Nelson gets robbed, but Cedric is, you know, he's, he's just not very good. Bless oh, him.
1: I mean, he's no- in. I I saw videos of both the goals we conceded, and it was definitely a case of defenders who can't defend in the way we want to defend in the way that yeah. our starters can defend. I mean, yeah, just no exactly. Other way to
2: look and, at it. and like Cedric. I mean, it's going to take a lot for Cedric to be in a Premier League team. I mm. think I think we'll have to have a big injury crisis for that to happen and he didn't even really see much of the Europa League group stage. I think holding's going the same way. Um, really, I mean, really his only use now is the kind of 89th minute back five yeah. sub. I think that's all he can really do um, anymore. And, I, I, you know, th- these things were known before the game, but they've just been confirm once again i think
1: yeah and we did get to see the danny welbeck no celebration celebration which i thought was classy especially in the context of the fact that he did celebrate at old trafford when he scored going back there but not at the emirates let's talk stock falling just for a second and remember this is not who is bad player or who played bad this is more about evaluating their performance in the context of what we thought of them going in and where they're currently sat in the manager's eyes or the eyes of the supporters generally. Let me propose this to you because I read it. I obviously have no idea, Tim, if it's true or not. Um, how do you feel about Fabio Vieira as a potential stock falling? I feel that in a way he's in a stock falling season in the sense that he looked really good when he first broke into the team. And every subsequent performance has maybe been just a little bit less good. Now, to be fair, he had no preseason whatsoever. He comes in right in the middle in the canter of this season. He has very few opportunities to play. He's playing in squads that are torn apart and and put back together with pieces, disparate pieces that don't play together regularly. I think that's hard for any player, especially a player who didn't have a preseason, hasn't been with the team very much. So, I think there are a lot of explanations and you can call them excuses if you want for why this is going to be a challenging year for him, few opportunities in the first team, playing with very strange squads and and not having had a preseason. But to the extent that he hasn't necessarily kicked on, was this another performance that was maybe just an opportunity that passed him by a bit?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And all those caveats are exactly right. Like I've said before, I just don't think you can really judge players that much on these games and you judge them more on what they do in quote-unquote the proper team. I I think the issue for Fabio Vieira is that teams have – teams think he's physically weak and whether that's true or not almost doesn't matter and it's not it's not the same as Saka where people are just kicking him but there's you know a lot of shoulder charging most of it pretty fair lots of using of, of physique and and I do think he's struggling with that at the moment and that might take might take a few months um to build up that kind of that kind of tolerance that kind of physical resistance Um, And and so I do think that there is a bit of that going on. I do think he also might be one of those players at the moment at this stage of his development that isn't entirely happy in like those five lanes, Um, that Mm. actually he's more of a wanderer, maybe a bit like Samby. Um, and that he likes to wander, he likes to drift towards the ball. Like one of the one of his big strengths we're told from his time at Porto was that he'd pop up all over the pitch, he'd be in fullback positions, he'd go false nine, he'd go wide. And actually this Arsenal team's a lot more structured than that. And there is interchange, but it's still quite choreographed interchange. And mm. what Arsenal really want from him is to do what Odegaard does and be in one of those kind of five lanes and combine with with the right winger, uh, usually Saka. And so I guess I'd be more interested to judge Vieira next to Saka um, in that Odegaard role. He he played reasonably well there against Brentford. Obviously he scored a really good goal. His overall performance was pretty good. Um, and that probably is best uh, for Arsenal along with the Zurich game. Um, and so... Yeah, I, I still wonder if maybe, like this system that Arteta's playing, we've, we've seen a few players need to be coached into it, um, quite yeah. frankly, including Odegaard himself. Uh, Party we've had to see, Xhaka we've had to see that. This is him kind of pushing on like he's been doing this season. That That hasn't just been going on this season, that's been a more gradual thing and he's been getting better at it. And, you know, I I think that's just the reality. Some of these players probably need to be coached into the system. And and Vieira is possibly a player who's not at this point as happy kind of being, not being told, I don't want to make it sound like a straitjacket or anything, but like this is your area of the pitch. This is your zone and this is where we want you to move within it. And that might just take a little bit of time.
1: Yeah, and and it's funny. We often talked with Nicola Pepe about how his price tag became a, a weight on his shoulders, right? The 72 million pound price tag, and he was never going to live up to that. The irony is, to a much smaller extent, but similarly, the price tag may be doing that for some fans at least mm-hmm. with Vieira. Yeah, yeah. Because he is very much a young player who only kind of broke into first team football the second half of last season, had no preseason, could not really be expected to boss games with the groups that he's been playing with mostly. And so this was always going to be a rough introduction and an up and down season for him, but he wasn't an 8 million pound punt. He was more expensive, I think, than Odegaard potentially or in that range. Right? So in a similar way, the price tag has led to expectations that maybe can't be matched by where the player is in his development right now. So we'll keep an eye on him. I mean, the talent, the talent is in there. We see it. And then it's just a question of the talent developing into the role. Um, You know, now you could say, well, the town is in there with Sambi. is not developing into the role. Fair point, right? Mm. You don't know the trajectory with these young players. We have the youngest team in the league, but that may have created the expectation that every 21-year-old player we buy is just going to turn into an amazing player. And ultimately, they don't all do that. So let's take a deep breath and be patient and see how it goes. What I want to do, I want to do two things principally here. I want to... Talk about World Cup selection and how that impacts our squad and you know maybe congratulate some of our players who have made it and also talk about the influence there. And I want to talk about the Wolves game, obviously, because I think the key right now is stay focused. If you're Mikel Arteta, the two words that you are saying to your team is stay focused. There is no World Cup until Sunday. Mm. There is nothing else in this world until Sunday. Stay focused. But one thing we need to stay focused on critically focused on is that this show is sponsored by better help right better help that's h-e-l-p okay this show is sponsored by BetterHelp, help and one of the things that BetterHelp help talks about is that uh life does not come with a user manual and i think it's such an interesting way to put it right because we get instructions we get help with doing things that we don't know how to do and if whether it's medicine we get help dealing with medical issues or you could take a cooking class or you can You know, if you're trying to get a driver's license, you can take driver's ed or whatever the case may be, you take these classes and instructions, but when something goes wrong psychologically, emotionally, we often think we're just supposed to be able to handle it ourselves. I know everyone's bored with hearing that I did therapy, but I think the reason it's relevant is because I didn't do therapy because I was in crisis. I did therapy because I wasn't sure where I was headed and what I was doing. And I needed someone to work through that with me because I recognized that I wasn't Doing a good job working through it. And I wasn't going to get where I wanted to go in life if I didn't get my hands around that and understand it. So you can use BetterHelp to navigate life's challenges, whether it's a career change. I know a lot of people have gone through that, new relationship, becoming a parent. The therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging situations. And BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient, accessible anywhere, and 100% online. It's more affordable than in person therapy. It can be totally anonymous if you want to go camera off and you can get matched with a specialist should you need it. So as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed embedded therapists available 100% online, plus it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a the therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash vision. That's betterhelp, h <clears throat> com slash vision. Do it now tim is that enough of that indeed indeed okay um tim let's talk uh world cup squads world cup timing and staying focused let's start big then we can get small generally a lot of players that are going to the world cup Sack is going, Jesus is going, Martinelli is going and congrats to him. Thomas Partey is going. Um Takehiro Tomiyasu is going. Um trying to think of who our players are now.
0: Ramsdale. There's a lot of
1: players. Ramsdale is going. Ben White is probably going to be going. Think. Yes. We suspect. He is going. He is going. Okay. Yeah. Uh cuz Reese James is not there. Well, that shouldn't be the reason. The reason should be cuz he's arguably the best right back in the Premier League right now. Um and and on and on and on. To the extent that that now feels like it's on the horizon. The squads are announced. The players are going. Saliba's going, right? It, this is huge for these young players. Do you think it will be hard for Mikel to get the message of stay focused through to them going into this one last game? You know, it's, it'd be one thing if it was United, or if it, but it's, it's Wolves away they're bad, but Molyneux will be up for it. They do have some talented players. You know, they got Pedro Neto, we want him, Ruben Neves, uh Ore, you know, who's like a bowling pin. How how difficult do you think it's going to be on the precipice of a World Cup to keep this group focused for one more game?
2: I mean, it's certainly something Arteta's got to take into consideration. I think maybe less so for the guys who always knew they were going. Um, like Saka, uh, like Gabriel Jesus, I'm not sure Gabriel Jesus has a setting that other than a thousand percent. Um, to be quite honest with you, but yeah, it might it, it might be for someone like uh, for Martinelli. I I don't think it will be, but it could be because he just got in when it looked like he might not, and it would be yep. completely natural. I think even if it was if it was in the front of his mind, even if it's in the back of his mind, it's a kind of but. But then yesterday he came on and and he didn't lack any intensity. He was going for the fifty fifties and and stuff like that. So I I it I don't I'm not worried about it. I think Mikel Arteta should think about it, and I'm sure he will. And someone like William Saliba as well. You know, for them it's for him. Sorry, it's a it's a big big thing as well because he probably didn't think he was going to the World Cup a year ago. Ben White as well. He's kind of. Like you say, he shouldn't have snuck in, but I think he has snuck in, um, mm-hmm. in reality. You mean
1: sh- it shouldn't have had to
2: be a C? Yeah. It should have just been a layup. It, exactly, you know? exactly. So, yeah, m- maybe for for some of those players, maybe it's... And, you know, Tommy Asu um, is in the squad. I don't think it sounds like he'll be available for Wolves, but it kind of sounds like they think he'll be all right after that. And, and I don't think that Arsenal will play him. I do think now Zinchenko's back as well. I think they'll kinda and Ukraine on in the world cup. So we're not massively risking anything for Zinchenko. Um, I do think that, you know, maybe we'll just say, don't worry about it, Tommy. So like we're, we're covered. You go to the world cup kind of thing. So uh, it's definitely something the manager has to think about. Um, Yes, but it's not, frankly, it's not something I'm hugely worried about. I saw Martinelli, Jesus and Xhaka come on last night and, didn't det- and I was watching and I didn't detect any drop in intensity. William Saliba started and played sixty minutes. No drop in intensity that I could see there. So I think it will be fine, but it would be a miss of the staff not to not to make sure of that.
1: Yeah. And I I do think you're right that for a player like Martinelli, that's a great example. Saliba could be another one, right? I mean, he's not just making the France squad, but maybe in line to play. And Brazil and France are teams that will want to win the World mm-hmm. Cup. This isn't just, wow, I'm in the World Cup. This is, I mean, that was dumb because every team will want to win the World <laughs> Cup. But I mean, we'll have an expectation yeah. that it would be it would be failure for Brazil if they don't win the World Cup. And and I think for for, for France it wouldn't be far off that. So these are huge things. And we know you, you can't put yourself in, in these people's shoes. I mean, when you have a hundred million people or whatever the case may be depending on you to bring glory home. And you know, maybe Martinelli will have a bit part to play. I think Jesus may have more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, Saliba might I mean, could he be starting every game? I I doubt it, but I don't I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. This is this is everything. This is what you grow up dreaming about. I mean, look at the social media posts of the players that have been named that maybe didn't expect it and the emotion that goes with it. How Martinelli must have been feeling seeing that news. How Saliba must have been feeling. And now you got to go play Wolves at Molyneux. And Mikel has to tell them to stay focused. And I do wonder if we had a bit of a bigger squad, if someone like a Smith-Rowe might play over a Martinelli Mm -hmm. in this game. You're just out of that concern for, am I going to get his best? Look, I think the advantage we have, Tim, and I've said this before, but I'm curious if you agree. If you're Chelsea, if you're maybe even Spurs, if you're a a big club that isn't where you want to be in the table at present, if you're Liverpool, and you're going into this game with the World Cup beckoning, and you're going to be playing in the World Cup, and you're not really competing for much in the league, it could be easy to shrug it off and say, I don't give a shit about this game. Yeah. Do Is, is the advantage for Arteta that he can look at them and say... You have a title available to you. You could be Premier League champions don't throw that away with one game to go going into the world cup. Cause your, your eyes aren't on the prize because we have something we're fighting for. Do you think that helps with the stay focused message? Because we're not sitting like seventh, hoping to get to fourth. We are top of the table and they will not want to give that up. That is a real
2: tangible. Purpose. Yeah. Ta- tangible is exactly the word. It's, it's not just staying on city's coattails. It's staying ahead of them and being on top of the league and being yep. top of the league for the next, next couple of months. Um, at least that, that is an incredibly tangible prize. And that, that is pretty much the reason i don't worry about it um that much because um like you say even if we were like fourth and we're like oh we're looking we're we're looking all right we're looking like we're in the mix that that might not be enough to do it but yeah to your point it's kind of look we're top of the league we're if there's going to be a title race at all in the premier league this year it's going to be because of us and i'd I I don't know how like how valuable this is like for players or anything really, but you kind of say Mm. the country wants us to do this. I mean, maybe (laughs) not Spurs fans. Well, not all of it. Not all of it. No, but which makes it even sweeter. Well, yeah, yeah, but like a a lot of people who don't hate Arsenal don't have a particular problem with Arsenal. um, You know, would. Probably it's too much to say rooting for us, but like if there's going to be a title race, it's going to be because of us. Otherwise, it's just Mm. going to be like another city whitewash. So, you know, I you you could you could do the friends uh, friends Romans countrymen um, type speech if you want and say like, you know, the country wants this, it demands this. However true that actually may or may not be. So, uh, like, I absolutely do think that that's that's a big thing. And it and you know, someone like Martinelli again, I don't doubt. I, I'm I'm not sure Martinelli has an off switch anyway, um, but you know you could say look Smith Rowe is going to be fit um, when we play again, and Brazil are probably going to at least go deep in the tournament. So excellent chance that Smith Rowe starts against West Ham on Boxing Day if he doesn't have a setback or anything like that. So that's one game, you know that's one game already, and it's like if if he plays well, look at what happened to Tomiyasu. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Ben White came in, couple of good games, stayed in, never gave his place up. So, if you yeah. if you wanted or needed the stick, I think the stick is there as well. I'm not sure that Martinelli needs that per se, um, but it's there.
1: Yeah, it is, and I think it's difficult because Wolves are bad, and
2: the team or the I'm animal. Sure
1: that we- I mean, I don't, you know my daughter has a stuffed wolf. It's cute. Like I, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not going to pick on. I'm not going to pick on wolves. I'm. I'm a fix. Wolves, is what their manager and Kanye West might say on Twitter. But uh, I, I don't have a problem with wolves. The 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 animal. But the club, they're not going through great things right now. They've won twice this season. They have scored eight goals. Eight the fewest in the league, they have conceded 22, which is actually not abysmal. We know they play sort of a dire defensive type of football. Now in terms of expected goals, they're actually more aligned with the lower level teams in the league, teams like forest, Southampton and Chelsea, for example, you know, the, the bad teams, the teams that aren't very good. I'm kidding. Um, But you know, I, I think there are certainly players that might want to prove a point. I have to admit, I have no idea if he's fit or how he's been playing. Is Pedro Neto doing anything for them? Because he would be someone who would certainly, I think, want to make a point. Yeah, you know, I, if, if that's- I
2: don't entirely know. I think, I think Elliot, what's happened to Wolves is basically they've lost their attacking identity. Um, mm-hmm. Because when they first came up, they had Jota gone. They had uh, Jimenez head injury, not the same player. And they had Adama Traore who's kind of went on loan to Barca and has come back. And he's a very, very kind of bitty player. And they've got, they've got Nevers and Moutinho. And, um, I think it's Moutinho that's like 35, 36. And so they've got to replace him. So basically there's some big players and like they lost for some reason. Uh, they let Connor Cody go on loan to Everton. um, And then they had when they came up, they had Willy Boley as one of their centre-halves and he's not really... Basically, like a lot of big characters from the spine of their team. Even the the goalkeeper, Reid Patricio, he, he left as well, albeit I don't think he was in great form at the time he left. But basically, all of these players that were hugely key players for them when they came up are either not there or not the same players anymore and they've struggled to replace them. And they've replaced them with a lot of players who are like in the very much in the on their day category Um, and and yeah Pedro Neto and Ruben Neves are the only two I look at and think yeah like you guys are are pretty consistent the rest but I do also think in terms of raw talent they shouldn't be bottom of the league I did think they'd struggle this season just because I sense that that staleness you know they've changed coaches around quite a few times now and you can sense like you know like those teams that came up like Stoke and Swansea and they had this big identity and they bashed heads and blooded noses in their own way and then it just slowly tapers off and you kind of see them and you think yeah we're losing them soon they're just going to get relegated at some point i kind of had that sense from Wolves for the last 18 months or so that there's there's a drift there but mm in terms of raw talent I don't think they belong at the bottom of the league I don't look at them and go oh my god that's just that's a team of championship players I don't think it is I think it's just like a bit of a mix and match um assortment of of players who either haven't quite lived up to their potential or haven't had the players beside them to bring them on so they're very much like they, they, they again, they're, they're a potentially on their day team. But like you say, they create very little. And that should really play mm. into our hands because when you play a team that creates very little, you've only got to score one goal.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> well, I would, I would take 10 though. Uh, I should tell you, by the way, this is a good time to say this. Uh, if you're trying to run a business, Maybe that business is Wolves. Maybe it's another business. You're probably going to want an e-commerce website. And the best place to get an e-commerce website for your business is with Shopify. I was supposed to do this earlier. Apologies. Uh, Forget the... Uh, the work that it takes to build a football club when it comes to building an e-commerce store shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone anywhere whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers it's time to start selling with shopify and join platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide with shopify you'll customize your online store to your brand discover new customers and build the relationships that create diehard fans shopify fields All the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person point of sale system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is your team every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world score their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. I've built multiple Shopify sites. It's insane. You want to sell on Instagram? Drag and drop. It's done. You want to free shipping banner drag and drop it's done you want to drop video in it's done you don't have to worry about credit card processing taxing it does it all you can even have them do the shipping for you so you just pick a URL you sign up for shopify and you're selling online uh, my wife has gotten into baking and she's like i wonder if i could sell these macaroons or whatever you know the the baking thing of the moment is and i'm like you should do it she's like i don't know how to build a store I'm like just go to shopify it's that easy so try shopify for free today and start selling anywhere Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash arsenal vision. All lowercase for some reason. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsenal vision and start selling online today. Shopify.com slash arsenal vision. Tim, is that now enough of that? Uh, he he asks, having asked previously if it was enough of that, and you said it was, but it wasn't enough of that. Is this now thoroughly enough of Th- that?
2: Thoroughly indeed.
1: Thoroughly indeed. Okay. Um, my, my take on the, the Wolves game is that, you know, it is – it it is going to be and by the way it looks like Pedro Neto's just having a nightmare of a season and things have not kicked on for him and maybe we dodged a bullet there but it is a case of stay focused play our football and it should be okay. They lost 3-2 in a game where they uh, got a red card against Brighton. They won in midweek over Leeds in the League Cup. They did play some of their starters there so maybe a little advantage in terms of they played, they played hard, they won a hard-fought victory and maybe we just have the benefit of energy. I expect that we will see exactly the same team that is our first team at this point. And that includes, I would presume, Zinchenko on the left, yeah. Ben White on the right, Gabriel Salib at the back. Do you anticipate any change whatsoever in the lineup?
2: No, absolutely none. And one of the, I guess as well, one of the things that we've not commented on yet, albeit I think we're both supportive of the lineup that was put out against Brighton is that Saka and Party weren't in the squad at all. Um, I I think that's not a surprise with Partey um, at all because we all know why that's happening, but Saka as well, like Miguel took away the temptation to even give him 15, 20 minutes at the end. That was a feet up job. Um, And and I believe the first time this season that that's happened. So yeah, like, like there should be. Um, a, a fair amount of freshness um, and you know to, to your point earlier talking about like a, at some point you know you have to make choices and some point you know your principles can't be an obstacle to success That that's why you rotate in the Europa League and the Carabao Cup in the first place otherwise if you are an absolutist about that you play your first choice 11 for every single game we haven't been doing that we've been making choices we've been making compromises is what we've been doing so um, yeah that, that I, I I think basically you can already see what the team's going to be. And I would be staggered if there was any deviation from that. Even like, you know, Tierney started, the, the Brighton game and Zinchenko didn't. That that tells you who's starting at left back, um, quite frankly. And everything else, particularly assuming Tomiyasu's still out, everything else picks itself at this stage.
1: Just in terms of where the club wants to go, let me ask you a tricky question, but... To what extent do you think this sudden and and let's call it unexpected title challenge that we find ourselves in could have tremendous repercussions for our ability to kick this project even into the next gear in the sense of this. Firstly, we have the youngest team in the league, and these players are getting picked for their country. Now, they're getting picked for their country because they're good, but they're also getting picked for their country because they start on the team that's top of the Premier League. They could be playing just as well, and if we were sitting 6th they they're not getting picked. William Saliba's in the France squad because of it. Gabriel Martinelli's in the Brazil squad because of it. Um, You know, I I think Sak obviously had established himself in the England squad already, but Ben White, he's probably going because of it, and and only barely, which is a a travesty. I do want to express, not apologies to, but sorry, a little bit of regret for Gabriel Magalhães, who I think is a bit unlucky, but that's a loaded group that Brazil have, and there's no shame in not quite making it right now. Uh, Matt Turner, by the way, I think we should say, made it. Um, Austin Trusty didn't. Shame there. Seems like he's having a pretty good season. Ramsdale, of course, makes it. And I don't don't think he's necessarily as highly regarded if we're not where we are. You combine that with the fact that we're top of the league and we're going to be back in the Champions League. And Tim, this gives us some recruiting power. If you're one of the young talents in the world right now, is there any club you'd rather come to than the one that's sending its players to the World Cup, giving minutes to youth players, not youth players, but younger players, and winning with them, and winning with them with a group that, if they stay together, isn't just peaking right now, but maybe just continuing its ascent. So do you think these inclusions in World Cup squads, combined with where we are on the table, gives us an ability to potentially go out and recruit the kind of players that for maybe the last eight years or more We've been saying, well, he's not going ours.
2: A hundred percent. Like Saliba with France, definitely. Martinelli with Brazil as well. When you look at how stacked they are, even though they're taking nine forwards. I mean, to prove your point, Firmino's not going. Martinelli's going, Firmino's not going. Um, And Chite said when he was asked about Martinelli, I mean, he specifically referred to Arsenal's position in the table. He said he's one of the best players on the team that's on the top of the Premier League. Uh, and that counts for for quite a lot and maybe if Liverpool um, were where they usually are at this point of the season maybe Firmino's going Um, you know he picked uh, Chite picked a couple of players from Flamengo as well and guess where Flamengo are (laughs) in the Brazilian league and they've won the Copa Libertadores and all of that so like it counts. It really counts. I think you're exactly right. I think that's a massive recruiting tool. We can say, like, not not just, well, certainly for the younger players like Martinelli and Saliba, and we can say, look, we're talking Brazil and France here. You know, we're talking, like, two of the best teams in the world. But also, like, in terms of resurrecting Gabriel Jesus' international career, because the, the squad before he signed for Arsenal, he didn't make. Now, to be fair... I think that was the only one he hadn't made since he was about 18, but he wasn't in it. And then he comes to Arsenal, he gets back in straight away. And so we can point to that as like a resurrection of someone's international career as well. And particularly on the back of a World Cup, which as we know is pretty much nearly every player's central ambition is to play in a World Cup. And uh, and and even more so if like if Brazil win it, and Martinelli in particular comes back with like a winner's medal if France retain it France win it and Saliba comes back a World Cup winner if Saka Ben White I think it's less likely England will to be honest but like <laughs> if Saka Ben White Ram, you know Saka a player we produce from our academy Ben White who we bought from Brighton Ramsdale who we bought from Sheffield United like like absolutely that is that that would be an amazing recruiting tool um, for us And 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 that's why I think you know, as fans, we should really hope our players go to the World Cup. Not least as well because we should be invested in them as people and this is what they really, really want. And look, don't worry about Martinelli getting tired because I'll tell you a secret, he probably won't play a minute, <laughs> I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, so. I mean, I, I, like, I, I just, and 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 you look at where we need to go going forward. You know, I I was an Arsenal supporter when we were losing Ses Fabregas and Sam Nazri and Robin Van Percy and... It was a trajectory-based problem, I think. Not just economics, but trajectory. But if you want to resign William Saliba, I don't know how you can make a stronger bid than You start every game here. You get into France squads here. You are top of the table here. Mm. You're in the Champions League here. You could go to Madrid at 26 and have five more seasons of this here before you have to think about that. And we can afford to pay you. Maybe not Madrid. Maybe Madrid will give you $350 a week. We'll give you $200. And you'll win titles or compete for them mm. and be in the Champions League and go to World Cups and then go make 300. A w- and, and again, look, at some level, if the difference is 150,000 pounds a week, I don't know if you could sell the vision. But I, I still think we are in a perfect position to recruit a different level of talent and make a better pitch to retain our talent. And so Mikel Arteta has a lot of credit to be paid, to him, not just for us winning, but for this club being able to really start to get back to the level that we would like to believe it belongs at because in order to get to that level and stay there, we're going to, need to reassign these great young players and we're going to need to continue to add at their level. Yeah, And being top of the table and sending players to the World Cup is the perfect platform when you need to give Saka a new deal and you need to give Martinelli a new deal and you need to give Saliba a new deal and you need to go out and be- say, you know, why should Liverpool? You talk about Jude Bellingham and people laugh. Why should they be laughing? Why should they be laughing when the youngest team in the league is top of the league, sending all its players to the World Cup and can certainly pay every bit as much as Liverpool can pay? And has a manager that's now establishing himself, not only as one of the best, but one of the best for young talent, We need to start thinking of ourselves as in the race for that caliber of talent. And Tim, candidly, there's no reason we aren't. There's
2: no reason we aren't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got Gabriel Jesus, didn't we? Um, During a summer where United needed a striker, Chelsea needed a striker. Um, And the thing is with the Premier League, overall, even if you absent the Arsenal stuff, the level of player, like West Ham got Schumacher, like one of the best performing strikers in Serie A, He's at West Ham. Like, mm-hmm. Fulham got, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Joao uh, Palinio. Pa- mm-hmm. uh, uh, Palinio. I, I can't remember his exact name, which isn't helping my point. Newcastle
1: aren't having trouble getting talent, but that's, you know, for maybe different reasons. And I think that's
2: <laughs> that's an important point as well, that, you know, harnessing the power of the Premier League and everything like that, and players, players and managers really want to come here. Like, Unai Emery came to Aston Villa, Um, You know, as as a fairly high-performing manager in Spain, he was desperate to come back to the Premier League. And really, if you're talking to players who really want to come to the Premier League, if you're Arsenal, you just say, look, there's only one team that is, at the moment, that is demonstratively better to come to than us, and that's City. And we have to accept that. But City can't have a squad of 200 plus I mean, they could but they're not going to have a squad of 200 players. So, and and yeah, and like, let's make that hay while the sun shines and Newcastle are still on the rails a little bit because in a in a couple of years, then yeah, um, it will be Newcastle and Man City and that will be, you know, a little bit more competition. But, you know, we we can really, really sell ourselves. Like the Premier League on its own has such a big pulling power. And for us to be able to say, look, we are one of the best performing, happiest, most vibrant teams in the Premier League at the moment. And by the way, you can come and live in Barnet, <laughs> which is like one of the <laughs> nicest places in London. And yep. you know, we we've we've got a lot of pulling power there now, definitely. We're we're well positioned.
1: Yeah. Um so well let's let's wrap it up there. But the, the, the thing that I'll say ultimately is if you are a young player who's talented and looking for the next right move for your career, and you look at United and the mess they've been for so long, and you know, if you're Jude Bellingham, and you look at someone who was playing on your, you know, in your league and your team, Jadon Sancho, you want to be where his career has gone right now? I don't think so. Chelsea may have looked like a good place to land before, but now looks a bit of a mess. Liverpool. Their cycle's kind of ended. Is Klopp going to stay? City, of course, you can still always go there. But maybe right now, we're, we're the employer of choice for young players that want to take their, their career to the next level. So it'll be interesting to see what we do in January, maybe more so in the summer. And based on how this season goes, the one thing I will say is, and this is an important point for people who are like, you know, don't disrupt it in January. Wait till the summer, you know. To... This season could be amazing. But we tail off a little and finish third. And it still looks great, and we're still in the Champions League. But in January, we may be top. Not necessarily, but maybe. And that's a recruiting position that we may not have. In the summer, So, you know, you may say to someone, look, come win the Premier League with us. Come help. Come be the thing that puts us over the edge and win the Premier League with us in your first season. So be interesting to see how we leverage all this. But I I feel great for the players that have made it to the World Cup. The key now stay focused. One more game. Stay focused because, Tim, as a final thought. Going into this World Cup break, top of the table is critical to lose it at this last hurdle. And I say lose it, but, you know, to, to be a point behind City going into this break, would somehow, I think, psychologically feel devastating when we front-run this thing the whole way and we just got to get past Wolves at Molyneux and we go into this nice layoff top of the table. I think it's critical that we achieve that.
2: Yeah, definitely. It it comes back to that uh, Miguel Delaney tweet that I referenced last week before the Chelsea game where he kind of said, is this the first time Arsenal are actually under pressure? And I think it was. And look, that pressure transfers to this weekend for exactly the same reason and that's fine like that's what you want mm-hmm. you want you want that pressure you want the pressure of being the leaders and that's what that's what Arteta will say i know there's a there's a phrase um i i believe you're american you'll know it it probably came yeah. from america but you know the whole like pressure <laughs> is a privilege um,
1: oh gosh, I have no beats me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't thrive under pressure. So I try not to follow expression,
2: but like lots me. of sports yeah. people use that, like pressure mm-hmm. is a privilege. Pressure is what you yeah. want. It's what you strive it for. It means you have
1: thing, important things up for grabs.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, if you're Arteta, you just say, look, I want this to be our weekly reality. I want us to go into every game thinking fucking, we've got a win this weekend. Cause we want to stay mm-hmm. top of the table. That is exactly what, he will want to foster and again like you know he he doesn't have to give them the scary talk of like if you lose this and if you go like
1: mm-hmm. and
2: everyone's just going to say well that's it man city are top and they're not coming off from the rest of the season but really he'll flip it and he'll say look this is a wonderful position to be in this is great this is what you want as as professional footballers this is what we want at arsenal we want that all the fucking time and so yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think you use that to pump your players up and just go yep. go out there. You're top of the league for six weeks if you win this game. And you come back from the World Cup. And whether you go and win the World Cup or whether you have a really crap World Cup, you come back to the team that's top of the league. Um, exactly. And that's a good yep. feeling.
1: Team talk made, stay focused, and, and you get to be top of the league for for six weeks. It's, it's a huge prize that I, I think they just got to go out and grab. And it's the kind of opponent... That I think is a litmus test for your concentration and your, and your professionalism because we are better than them and we should beat them. Mm-hmm. And I, look, there's no easy way game in the Premier League, but we're better than them. We should beat them. And I think the way we don't do that is if we beat ourselves by having one eye on what's coming next. Yep. So it is a good litmus test for their, for their focus and concentration. One that I, I sir certainly hope they will pass. It'll be nice to play on a Saturday. Yeah, so we'll have an instant reaction on Saturday for a change, and then um, we'll go on from there. And don't forget, we got the World Cup daily coming up. Tim, we've had tremendous technical problems recording this, so thanks for bearing with me. I hope that by the time people are listening or watching this, that they won't have noticed it. But uh, if you do, blame ZenCaster because that service is an absolute disaster at the moment, and they uh, cannot be ridiculed enough for what they have done to our workflow. So thank you, ZenCaster. All right, Tim's on Twitter, Stroberto. Thanks, sir.
2: My pleasure as always.
1: My name is Elliot Smith, the Blackman Twitter Yankee Gunner. We love you. We will talk to you after Arsenal 10. Wolves
0: now.